We've been talking about preparation during this transitional season of pre-Lent. We have just three more days to prepare to prepare. So, what will be your fast? What disciplines of prayer will you instill in your devotional life? How will you deal with the disciplines that involve giving, acts of charity and mercy? Remember that the avoidance of sin and the inculcation of virtue require sustained practice until those patterns become, those patterns become habitual in your life. To love your neighbor actually requires a volitional commitment of the will. You have to do it. You have to say, I'm going to love. It's not primarily an emotion. You might get some feel-good vibes, you know, afterwards. Sometimes, you know, you commit to loving your neighbor and they bark at you and they're like, okay, that didn't feel so good. Don't let that scare you away. You love because it's it's a calling and it's a volitional commitment. It's something we do. And if you only try once and someone growls at you, that's not, that's not enough time to establish a habit. Right? I mean, I would ask the kids over there about brushing their teeth, but I'm afraid of the answers. But it takes more than a couple times, right? And you have to keep doing it until you don't leave the house because, oh my gosh, I haven't brushed my teeth. I've got to go do that. Um, so Lent is such a time for this practice, right? Dr. Seal mentioned the other day that the 10,000 hours that, uh, who was it, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, kind of publicized that it takes 10,000 hours. There is a certain truth to it, but it's also a myth. It's not just 10,000 hours, which, by the way, is about 10 years. It takes about 10 years to kind of learn something and be proficient and professional at it. But he, uh, Dr. Seal pointed out, uh, uh, the quality of your practice matters. <laughs> so uh, for some of us, it's taken twenty and 30,000 hours to get the right habits down. And that's the whole problem with the Christian life. The bad habits takes about five hours practice, right? I mean, you don't need any practice at all. You've got them. So these habits of virtue, these habits of of living out the uh, first and second greatest commandment. These habits take time. So on the one hand, I want to say, don't be discouraged that you don't have them after not very much practice. Some of us wake up to the game late and we go, oh, wow, so I've been floating around here not doing the hard work practice. Okay, so start practicing and don't be disappointed that you're not there yet. On the other hand, I want to say, but hey, Lent... It's basic training. It's spring training. This is the time. Practice. I have literally, working with people in spiritual direction, I've said, so, okay, so what I'm hearing is you probably need to just be more loving to people in general. You're polite, but you don't care. I mean, you just, you go about your day getting your job done, and you probably should care more about the people that you bump into. This person says, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I should... I should care about people more. I should just, I said, all right. So I want you to find specific ways that you can do acts of charity. Not mean giving to the poor. I mean, that's actually, doesn't work. That's not going to train you to do anything except lose your pocket change and they're going to get drugs. Look out for acts of charity with with the secretary that you interact with once a day. 
when you go into the church, you deal with this person, you go into this place, and you're always there once a day. How can you put a smile on that person's face? What can you do that's encouraging? That kind of reaching out. So in other words, this person was, lived his life like this. Not rude, but also not generous. And let's, let's work on being generous. Lent's the time to practice that. Literally, write in your journal, write on your calendar, write in your calendar, act of charity. Uh, let's make it simple. Say, say you're the kind of person that says, I just need to take enough time to try to get a smile. Try to get a smile. You write that on your calendar. At the end of the day, you look at it and you circle it because it was successful or you put a check mark because you tried, but you weren't successful. Because that counts too. But that'll tell you how many times you were successful or not. Um, and for some of us, that means that you have to stop having the sour face, that you have to stop looking angry. Your resting face should be better than what some of the bad ones are. Um, you know, someone says, golly, you're angry? No. I just, you know, I haven't had my coffee yet. And then you have your coffee and you're like, Um, I'm, I'm sort of joking around, but this is real. What's the job of a traditional clown? Not the scary clowns, but a traditional clown. What's the whole goal? For laughter and smiles. Not just children, adults too. But yeah, children is kind of the main focus. Sometimes we need to be more concerned with being clowns. And by the way, there's a long history of clowns and fools being the same person. And there's a long history of being a fool for Jesus, right? In fact, in Shakespeare, the fool is often the one who solves the problem, who sees the truth that no one else saw. So we might want to work a little bit harder on being fools for Christ. And clown around a little. Not the way you guys do. Like for Jesus, not for your own kicks and giggles. Today, in our lessons, we've been presented with two big themes. And I think it would be good as we enter into Lent to remember these themes. Particularly as we're hitting Ash Wednesday in a few days. From our gospel lesson, we discover that Jesus is a king of mercy and healing. The blind man sits and begs on the roadside and hears a commotion as someone passes by. And he says, you know, who's that? And they say, it's this Jesus guy from Nazareth. He shouts, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He doesn't go, hey, Jesus, I know you can hear me. You know, would you have mercy? He shouts. In fact, he is loud enough. That the other disciples, maybe the apostles, say, Hey, yo, whoa, bring it down. This guy's important. Knock it off. Back up. You can't even see him. You don't need to be close. Get away. You can imagine, right? I mean, but he cries out all the more, Son of David, he cries it, have mercy upon me. The man tells Jesus that he would like to see. Jesus heals him and says, your faith has made you well. 
In other words, this man already saw in the most important way. He already saw, he already saw with the eyes of his heart. The Messiah was there. The King of Peace and Healing. Our Lord, our King, is a healer. He is the great physician. Yes, he is the great physician of bodies, but honestly, much more importantly, of our souls. If we can let God heal us and we continue to walk in health, we can be a part of the greater healing that Christ is about. A healing of our relationships, a healing of our families, a healing of our communities, maybe even a healing of our culture. And oh boy, does that need healing. This Lent, please remember that God is about healing you. We are all broken. We are all hurt. We are all damaged by sin. God can truly bring healing to our lives. But our faith is a part of it, isn't it? It's very hard to participate in and to do things and to be blessed by something you don't actually believe in. It happens. But to have that big picture and to participate in it, you have to believe. You have to have faith. It's very hard to receive what you deny. It's very hard to trust when you trust no one. And these issues are very much a part of our culture here and today. They're probably very much a part of our hearts in one way or another. And not everyone's the same. And one of you may struggle with that part of what I just said and someone with another part. But also know that as well put together as everyone looks on Facebook, Facebook is a liar. And everyone lies on Facebook. You know it. In fact, everyone lies just in public. Part of that lie I get, yeah, I mean, it's polite to actually be dressed for an occasion when your heart is broken and falling and you feel like jumping off a bridge. And so many people are going to be out there looking like they've got it together, but trust me, from someone who deals with people and who deals with what's below the surface, and by the way, when I have a if you come to me and we have a little session together, my big assumption is the first three to five levels of what you're talking about have nothing to do with the real problem. The real problem is always deeper. Sometimes we don't know that about ourselves, but as we move towards purgation, illumination, and union, we start peeling back the onion, and then we go, oh, shoot, guess what's under that layer? More onion. I peel back that sin, and then there's more sin. But I couldn't even see that sin because I didn't have the eyes to see it, and I couldn't see past the sin I was dealing with. But as we peel that back, yes, until we go to be with Jesus, there's, there's going to be more sin there. But you realize what we're doing, we're purging and we're getting rid of, and we're living holier lives. Sometimes you see that deeper layer, and it's just so like, I didn't know that. Ah. And you can kind of be a little discouraged once in a while, but then you go, no, God helped me conquer what I just dealt with. 
He'll help me conquer this too. And there's more peace. So, remember that your friends out there, your neighbors, they're hurting too. Don't be afraid to invite. Invite to anything. But particularly, we emphasize some of our, what the hip slang is, front porch ministries. That means, invite people up to the porch and have a drink before you invite them into the house. Because that might be more comfortable for them. So, men's study, women's study. Well, for some people, that's a little... For the men, I, I've got guys who go, I study the Bible? Well, I've never looked at the Bible. Why am I going to study the Bible? So well, you might find it interesting. By the way, I hope, I hope smoke doesn't offend you because we smoke cigars and drink scotch. Oh, well, now that's interesting. Um, but for many of them, the Bible's too much. Or, you know, reading spiritual stuff, that's a step too far. So I might invite them just to a City Gates men's get-together where there's no agenda. We're just sitting and chatting and bunch of Christian guys together with a bunch of non-Christian guys, it's kind of hard to keep Jesus out of the discussion. He's going to show up in one place or another. So there's all these places we invite people to Wednesday night. Uh, it's not Holy Communion. It's not long. It's about 30 minutes, give or take five minutes. So that's a great thing to invite people to. So during Lent, let's remember, evangelism is one of those themes, as I talked about, I believe, last week. But let's get back to our point here. Just realize that people need healing. This is a place of healing. I had a professor in seminary. He's talking to us and he started to weep about the last couple of years of his life that had just been so hard. Losing close family members, losing work, just you know, a really difficult time. He's older. He says, but why do I keep on keeping on? Because there's healing. And he, like, he's limping, he's got an accident. He turns around, stomp, he goes, there's healing there. And it's a journey to get there. So let's invite people to the journey. And if you invite them to catechesis, come with them. Be their sponsor, be their friend. That's what always happened in an old Celtic monastery. You show up, you're a stranger, you're assigned a friend. Literally. Like, here's your friend. And the friend knew. No, my job is just serve this person, do what I can to help them, make sure they know what's going on. Like, be there next to them pointing out the, the prayers in the prayer book. Moving on. Let's build up our faith this Lent. Please choose a discipline that will help build up your faith. That means decide what your sins are. Choose a discipline that will attack the sins. Talk to me if you have any questions. And let's follow the writer to the Hebrews' advice. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Stop now. Take evaluation. Don't keep hobbling on the broken Situation or the damaged situation so that it gets worse, but let's heal. Let's get a cast on it. Now you've got to limp with crutches. Okay, that's better than not moving. Make this Lent a Lent of faithfulness and trust in God's mercy towards you, for he is the great physician. Jesus wants to heal you. He wants to bring you his peace. Pursue healing and peace this Lent. 
The second big theme of our propers, uh, our proper readings for this Sunday, is also important for our Lenten discipline. The epistle lesson is what is known as St. Paul's love chapter. It's, it's read at so many weddings where they have no clue what he's talking about. It's just like, uh, do we really understand what St. Paul is saying? It is an amazing, beautiful piece of literature, isn't it? I mean, it's just as a piece of literature, you could take it into lit class and have fun with this for weeks on end. It's so beautiful. Today, let us allow it to be instructive for us. Lent cannot ever really be a good Lent for us if we are only focused upon ourselves. And you're saying, but Father, you always tell me, take time to look at myself. Yes, it's true. Lent is meant to be a time of self-reflection. So that does mean we have to put some time into looking at our, gazing at our navels, you know, sort of. Only I don't, don't just gaze and hum. Take stock. Use a piece of paper and make a list. Lent is meant to be a time of unpacking the heart and seeing what stowaway things have joined the party and which ones need to be thrown overboard. Lent is not, however, meant to be a narcissistic ride through our favorite selfish issues. It is interesting to note that true self-reflection seems to be a lost art in our culture and in our society. We don't have time or inclination to actually think, analyze, and discern truth from falsehood, goodness from evil in our hearts, our lives, our words, our actions, much less do something to change the situation. We, We don't even have time to analyze or to think about it. Yet it is hard to imagine a more narcissistic culture ever having existed in the history of the world. Everything in our lives, says our culture, is meant to be about ourselves. And we gladly go along with the sham. Well, the epistle lesson should remind us of the sham. Even in the season of Lent, arguably the most self-oriented season in terms of introspection and self-analysis, one of the the main traditions in Lent has an outward focus. We are to up the ante in our game during Lent when it comes to acts of mercy and charity. We are called to actually do more during Lent so that we might be more habituated to that practice in all of our life. Find the opportunity to serve your neighbor, to love your coworker. Act so much like Jesus that people might wonder what's come over you. Is he feeling okay? Practice, 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 practice. This is Lent. Practicing so that we can get it right. Don't forget that the Christian life is about Jesus and everyone else. Even during Lent, when there is so much focus on ourselves, the focus on ourselves is meant to be purgative so that we can take a more righted and Christ-like self into the world to love the world. May your Lent be fruitful in purgation, illumination, and may this Lent bring us all closer to union with Christ that we may be the image of Christ to our neighbors and to our communities. Amen.